0: Today we're launching into a brand new series called The Grudge. I bet you Sandy didn't even know that when God instructed you to come up. Isn't that amazing how Holy Spirit works? So we're talking all about forgiveness for the next few weeks. And let me just tell you where we're going to go on this journey today we're gonna talk about um, oh if you have digital if you would like to give digitally, Linda is in the back for this offering too. Anything that you give, you can find her anytime before the end of the service. So you can do that as well. I didn't want to forget that. Okay, so let me tell you where we're going um, on in this journey for the next few weeks. So today we're going to talk about having the faith to forgive, and next week we're going to look at the big betrayals. um, When someone wrongs us, like Deanna was talking about when she got up, when someone wrongs us in a significant way that maybe even alters our life, Um, how do we forgive something That's so painful, right? In our third week together, um, we're going to actually talk about reconciling with God. Um, We might say forgiving God, but we know that God doesn't ever mess up. So technically, we don't have to forgive God, but perhaps you... Or somebody that you know is holding a grudge against God, right? Because from your perspective, maybe God could have done something that he didn't. Or, or maybe God allowed something that you think he should have stopped. So we're going to talk about how do you reconcile with God and let go of a grudge against even him. And then we're also going to talk about forgiving yourself, which I think is super, super important. If it's, it's one thing to, to recognize the grace of Jesus that he, for, that he forgives us. But sometimes we still live in the guilt of our past and we can't seem to let it go so we're going to talk about that as well today we're going to ease into this a little bit but i believe it will speak deeply to us if we if we let it god's word has a way of doing that right so we're going to talk about forgiving the small offenses that will often accumulate and lead to bitterness and hold us back, I believe, from what God wants us to have. In fact, I'm just curious, a show of hands, how many of you would say that you know someone who can be easily offended? Oh, wow, look at those hands pop up all over the place, right? Um, you know, and and do, do not point out these people because you, know, you could offend them and a riot could break out this morning. But if, if you don't know someone who is easily offended, chances are maybe you're not on social media <laughs> because it's a jungle out there, right? Um, everybody seems to be offended about everything. And, and so it's so easy to be offended by something small, isn't it? It's so easy. And and in fact, you might find yourself tripping over the smaller offenses. I don't know what it might be. Maybe someone, you know, rolled their eyes at you and it just sets you off. Maybe someone you know has a tone in their voice that you don't like and you take offense to it. Um, maybe someone forgets to say thank you for something that you did. You know, we we even get offended when we're driving in traffic, you know, and we, we let somebody in on, on the merge and they didn't give us a thank you wave. How dare they? Right? <laughs> Which I don't know, it, it must be somewhere in the Bible that you're supposed to honor the one who lets you in, right? We're like, you didn't even give me just a nod. You didn't a thank you. I could, have, I could have left you there, sir. <laughs> I could have left you there stuck, and you could still be stuck back at that intersection if it wasn't for my grace, my godliness, and mercy to impart the gift of merging to you. <laughs> right? And so you can get offended when a friend or a family member doesn't respond to a text. How many? Eh, eh, eh. All right? Um, or maybe they slow respond, and that's worse on a smartphone because you can actually see the bubble. You know that you know that you know that they read what you sent because they started to respond, or maybe they're texting to somebody else, and you see the bubbles, and you're like, "There were bubbles. I saw the bubbles. You were bubbling me, and now you just ghosted me. I'm so offended." Right? You, you can even get offended just by looking at social media, it seems like, um, what, what people post, how often they post, um, if they comment on your friend's post but not on your post, um, if they unfollow you, which that's pretty much you know, the unforgivable sin in social media. Um, and we live in an age of perpetual offense, And we are quick to be offended. I'm I'm talking about culturally. We're quick to call foul. We're quick to judge. We're we're quick to become bitter. And I'm not pointing at anybody else because I'm guilty. I, I lose my cool and, and you know just just a couple of weeks ago, just after preaching god's word to God's people, um, we went home after lunch and I heard Lazarus saying something that really was kind of rude back to his mama and which you know tends to get me going fired up a little bit I don't even remember what it was, but you know it was Sunday afternoon nap time, which is important to me. I like my nap time on Sunday afternoons, and I was ready for my nap and I, don't, I really don't remember all that was going on that weekend, but I, I just couldn't let it go you know it just uh, kind of did that to me. And, you know, Lazarus is our sweet little angel of a son, if you haven't met him, our youngest. He has some disabilities and some learning curves that we're working through, but, you know, it, it can all be taxing and hard sometimes, but 85% of the time, probably more, our little guy is polite, he is kind, he is adorable, and all the stuff. <laughs> but the other 15%, 10% of the time, he's still working through his terrible twos. You know? <laughs> and, and part of the being the youngest in the family of seven is you know learning how to defend yourself, right? And so he's been kind of getting, a, it seems like I've I've been noticing a little, a little more mouthy, you know, as of late, trying to defend himself. Like, no, 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 <laughs> no. No, a hundred times. But what really grates on me is when one of our kids goes after another one of our kids or they say something disrespectful to Deanna or I admit, even if it's you know, disrespectful to me, we try not to go there in our family. And, and, and so your pastor who had just finished preaching God's word, I, I got up from my bedroom and opened the bedroom door and I got out to talk loudly to my son, all for the glory of God, mind you. <laughs> serving as the instrument of righteousness and justice in this world on behalf of the one who created it. <laughs> so I'm talking to him about, you know, how to talk to his mom and I'm so offended that I'm not getting to take my nap so I'm angry about that. And then when I catch my breath, I look at my son whom I love and if you just know him, he has these like big crazy big like sad dog eyes, you know, these big brown eyes. And I knew, man, you are overreacting, look at this kid. And I realized that in my weakness, I let an offense get the best of me and I was taking it out on my son, who was probably a little crabby and ready for nap time too, (laughs) you know, just like me. And, And that happens for us sometimes. Sometimes in our weakness, We snap and we let an offense control our reactions. Um, But on the flip side of that, I've seen it more and more in the real world today. It's almost like we're on the search, on the lookout to be reactional to the things that offend us. In other words... Let's say it this way, if you're on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you are looking for on your notes. If you're on a continuous search to be offended, you will always find what you're looking for. Um, And I hope you'll understand there is never, ever, 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 ever a win in being offended. There's never a win. And I have never found myself, and, and, and maybe you can you know, see if this is true for you, I have never found myself saying, oh, I am so much better because I am bitter. I, I, I'm having a better day because I'm offended over something. My marriage is stronger because I'm carrying a grudge. My relationships are, are richer because I'm offended. I'm closer, you know, to God. I'm making more of a difference in this world because I've accumulated small offenses that I let get up under my skin. I am so much happier today, right? Listen, there has never been a win at being offended. And and that's why I tell myself over and over and over again, something I hope you'll internalize and, and maybe tell yourself, and that's this, your life is too short and your calling is too great to be living in offense. <laughs> I heard an amen. <laughs> your life is moving by. Your calling from God to love in this world is too great to be offended, sidetracked, distracted, or hurting because of what may even be a small offense. And that happens for us. You know, sometimes in our weakness, we snap. And, and so um, I, I love this. I love this in Proverbs um, chapter 19, verse 11, the verse that we started with, we opened with this morning and one that we will revisit later on. I want us to start the conversation kind of with the tone of this verse. This is what it says. An understanding person demonstrates patience for mercy means holding your tongue. When you are insulted, be quick to forgive and forget it. For you are virtuous when you overlook. Everybody say overlook. 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 When you overlook an offense. You are virtuous when you overlook an offense. And that's why the title of today's message is I'm just over it. (laughs) I'm over it. I'm over the offense. Nudge the person next to you and tell them, I'm just over it. (laughs) It doesn't matter what they did to you on the way to church. (laughs) I'm just over it. I'm over it. I am over it. (laughs) Now, let me ask you something. How is it that we, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, get over a grudge? How do we grow past all the little daily temptations that we have, you know, become so easily offended by? I'm going to give you one answer. I'm going to give you one big statement, and we're going to unpack for the rest of the time. How do we grow past the daily temptation to be offended? The answer is we close the gap with love. It's like that's like the answer to everything, isn't it? We close the gap with love. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12 tells us, Hatred stirs up strife. You know this. Hatred complicates and distances relationship, but love covers all offenses. Love covers. So we close the gap with love. I love the Passion Translation. It says, Hatred keeps old quarrels alive, but love draws a veil over every insult and finds a way to make sin disappear. Hatred keeps old quarrels alive, but love draws a veil over every insult and finds a way to make sin disappear. So let's unpack this a little bit. There's a dynamic that happens in every interaction, and you, you, you may not notice, but it happens in every, every every interaction that you have with somebody. There is a gap between an action given towards you, something uh, you know that you're offended by, maybe words, maybe an action, um, and your reaction. There's a gap there. Somebody acts and there is a micro gap. There is a moment there. There is a split second (laughs) when you make an interpretive decision based on the action that's given to you. And so uh, there's always an action and there's a gap and then there's the the reaction on the other side. There's always a gap between the action and your reaction. So the key is this. You get to choose what you put in the gap. You get to choose what you put in the gap. There's always a gap and you get to choose what you put in it. For example, there is an action. A man puts up the one way sign finger in the air (laughs) as he's driving by your pastor. So there is a micro moment, an instant, right? Where I get to interpret the meaning behind his action and put something in the gap before I respond, right? We interpret the meaning of the action. So the problem is, we're horrible interpreters. (laughs) We are. You and I, uh, we all are. And as you, you know it, because how many times has someone misinterpreted the meaning behind your words? How many times has that happened? Or your actions? And you thought to yourself, how in the world could you think that I meant that? I would never have done that or said that with that kind of intent in mind. Don't you know me better than that? You know, how could you think that I would ever do something like that? I would never. We are horrible interpreters. This is called, we've talked about this before, fundamental attribution error. Um, We talked about this in the One Another series um, when we were discussing Jesus' high priestly prayer for us. And the thing is, we almost all slip into this. The fundamental attribution error is this. It's the bias to attribute our own behavior to our circumstances. While attributing somebody else's actions to their character, we're attributing our own behavior to some external circumstance. In other words, there's a good reason why I did this. Um, You know me, you should know my heart. Uh, You know what I'm like. Uh, You know that there must be a good explanation for this, right? Or, so, you know, that's, that's, That's our side, but we attribute someone else's actions to their character, meaning, well, they're just not a good person. And so, in other words, if I did something to disappoint you, there's a reason. Come on, man, give me a break. You know me. You know, you know my heart, but if somebody else does something to disappoint me, it's very tempting for me to attribute their actions to their character. Well, he's just not a good person. Well, she's just inconsiderate. There's no way that he can believe that and still be a Jesus follower. There's no way that he could even lean that way politically and be right with God. He's just stupid. He's just rude. And frankly, she just needs to know Jesus, right, to save her soul. It's misinterpretation. And you know this, we do it all the time. You walk into the store and your kid throws a fit. And, and there's a reason, right? Well, he didn't get a nap today. <laughs> um, he, he didn't get his snack. It's been a hard day. So just give us a break. Give us some grace. He's having a tough day. She's not always like this. Just give me some grace. Now, somebody else's kid there was a fit in the store and you determined that's a lazy parent raising a demon-possessed criminal and we need to protect ourselves from them. We want everybody else to give us a break. There's a good reason for what's happening, but we see somebody else going through it and we respond, you are bad. There's always a gap and you get to choose what you put in that gap. What do you put in the gap? I want us to think about something. We have a spiritual enemy, and one of his titles is the accuser. In Revelation chapter 12, it says he is the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accuse them but day and night. You're no no good. You're no worthy. You're not worthy, right? How how do we fill the gaps? Well, the, the enemy would want you to fill the gaps with accusation. That's what he does. He is the accuser. And he wants you to accuse others. Fill the gap with this. Well, she's always about herself. She doesn't care about me. He doesn't care. You can't trust anybody. Everybody's in it all for themselves. That's the ploy and the trick of the enemy. He wants you to close the gaps with accusation. And um, what do accusations do? Accusations erode marriages accusations split friendships accusations destroy churches with gossip and rumors right the enemy wants you to fill the gap with accusations but God wants you to fill the gap with love so Proverbs 17:9 says this whoever covers an offense seeks love but he who repeats a matter separates close friends Whoever fosters love covers an offense. What does love do? Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love chooses to believe the best. Love trusts in the other person. In other words, if your spouse says, hey, did you take out the trash? (laughs) The enemy would want me to say, she thinks I'm lazy, (laughs) which is why she's always ragging on me, right? Love doesn't do that. Love says, well, she's probably just curious if I took out the trash. You, You choose what you put in the gap. If someone doesn't respond to your text, the enemy would say, oh, well, he is just not a good person. He's not a good friend. Uh, she thinks she's too good for me. I guess she's just too busy for me. Love doesn't do that. Love assumes the best. Uh, her phone's probably dead. She's probably busy. Maybe she's out of service. Maybe she saw it and she forgot about it. She's, gotta, she's gonna get back to me. She's my best friend. Love assumes the best. Scripture says this, Paul said it really clearly in Ephesians chapter four, verse two. He said, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and what? Generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. (laughs) Why? Because of your love. Make allowances And give the benefit of the doubt because of love, because of your love. God loves you, right? Because of God's love, Jesus forgave you. Because there's grace for you, have grace for others. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another. In other words, somebody else's behavior is not all about you. Some, so the, their bad driving is not all about you. <laughs> their bad mood is not about you. The, the the edge in their voice may not be all about you. They may just be having a bad day. They may be facing a battle on their own. They may have just gotten some really rotten news. You may want to give, uh, you, you want to give others to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? You want others to give you the benefit of the doubt. So let me say that right. And so you do the same thing for them. Why? Because of love because of your generous love. What if, like Deanna was talking about when she was up here, what if though somebody is just like intentionally rude to you? What if they are intentionally mean or harsh? What do you do then? <laughs> when, what I try to do is this. I try to realize that if somebody is really unnecessarily, you know, like hateful, to me, they're, they're, number one, they're probably very likely going through something that's causing that kind of behavior. And believe me when I tell you, you know, if, if you want to make a bigger difference in the world, you're going to have more people that don't like you. And you've got to learn to stay above offense. So whenever someone attacks or someone's unnecessarily harsh, what I try to do is this. I tell myself. You know, first of all, I wonder what they're going through because I know hurt people hurt people, right? Hurt people tend to hurt people. So instead of being offended by them, I want to have compassion for them. Instead of being offended by what they did or how they acted or what they didn't do, I want to try to have compassion for them and even make allowances because of the love that sometimes is not even in my own strength, To be honest, a lot of times it's probably not in my own strength. It would be Holy Spirit working through me, right? The love that's in my heart, that's inside of me. I wonder what they're going through. There's always going to be a gap, and you get to choose what you put in the gap. If you put accusation in the gap, you're going to always be offended. You will. If you put accusation in the gap, that's what's going to happen. Offense will rise up. You're always going to be carrying a grudge. He did this and she did this. And I promise you will never, ever wake up one day and say, I am in such a better place today. My relationships are better than they've ever been because I've been offended, right? My effectiveness for God is just maxing out because I'm curing grudges that don't even really matter. Listen to this verse again, with tender humility, And quiet patience. Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. How do we do this? I love the power of Proverbs 19.11. It tells us an understanding person demonstrates patience. For mercy means holding your tongue when you are insulted. Be quick to forgive and forget it. And here's the key. For you are virtuous when you overlook an offense. The NIV translation says it's to your glory. It's God honoring. It's virtuous to overlook an offense. Now, what does it mean to overlook an offense? Okay, let's put some definition to that. To overlook an offense is not the same thing as pretending it didn't happen. It's not that. To overlook an offense is a conscience decision to let it go. It's a form of forgiveness in real time. I'm not going to carry this and wake up three weeks later and decide that I'm not, you know, that I'm going to forgive. It's an in the moment, real time t- decision to stay above the offense, to forgive it in the moment and let it go because I'm just over it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it go. In fact, the Hebrew word that's translated as overlook in the Hebrew word is a bar. A And. And what it means is to pass over. It means to pass over. It means to pass over the offense. So in other words, instead of focusing on the offense, which we like to do, right? Replaying the offense, rehearsing the offense, uh, going over and over the offense again in our minds. What could I have said? What should I have said? You know, what will I do next time? I'm in front of all that. Instead, I'm saying I'm going to get above it. What, 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 I'm, I'm gonna pass over it. I'm gonna rise above the offense because I have a more important calling. I'm just over it. I'm over it. My calling elevates me to be over it. My purpose lifts me because the enemy wants me to lower me into the offenses that would drag me down. But because my God is, has a higher calling, I'm already over it. In the moment... I'm just over it. I have real time forgiveness. I'm choosing to let it go. This isn't going to weigh me down. This isn't going to hold me back. This isn't going to distract me from my purpose. In the moment, I'm deciding it's to my virtue, as the scripture says, It honors God to get above it. I'm staying above it. I'm already over it. Your coworker doesn't invite you to their party. I'm already over it. <laughs> I'm not, not going to let it hold me back. Someone makes a snarky comment on your social media post, I'm already over it. I'm, I'm not going to let that weigh me down. I'm, I'm not going to let that ruin my witness. your mother-in-law criticizes your children? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. My mother-in-law's in the house this morning. So I had to say something. <laughs> That's a whole other message, right? <laughs> I was just joking. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm already over. She's already over it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so wisdom yields to patience. You know, I'm over it. I'm already over it. I've got a more important calling. My calling is to love. My calling is to represent Jesus. And yes, even on social media, I'm not going to let the enemy slow me down. So I believe this is one of the most destructive and divisive tools of the enemy. Uh, In our culture today, it seems like there's so much offense, Nobody has ever changed the world walking around bitter. <laughs> Have you seen that? Nobody. I, I, you know, I've got a great story I, I want to tell. I heard Pastor Greg Rochelle of Life Church Online share this. It was about bitterness. And about 20 years ago, his wife was in their minivan, and she was pulling up to a stoplight, um, going slow, you know, like the five-mile-per-hour type of slow, and kind of just bumped, you know, like a little little love tap, (laughs) bumped into the guy in front of her. And she thought, I probably should get out, you know, just to check. But it was kind of like, you know, I may not even need to. I mean, it was barely a bump and the guy didn't even notice, but she did. She got out and she told the guy what happened. And he got out and he's looking things over and there was no damage to his vehicle, no damage to either vehicle. It was like a, you know, like a love tap. It was just like a (laughs) boom. And so they were just gonna go on about their business. And then evidently he recognized who she was. You know, she's the co-pastor of this big church with multiple church plants and, you know, very well known. And, And so his tone changed really quickly. And he called the police. All of a sudden, he's on the phone, and she's like, why are you calling the police? And, and so she was being nice and gave him uh, her information and such. The police came out, and the police officer was kind of like almost even offended for, by being called out. He was like, yeah, what are you guys calling me out here? Go home, nothing happened here. Go on your way. And so Amy went on her way, but later the guy called um, her husband, Pastor Craig, and said that he owed them Uh, him $700 for damage and chiropractic work. Pastor Craig was like, no, 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 no. Please told you to go home. I mean, I've heard this story. And he essentially said, look, man, I I know who you are. And you don't want me spreading rumors about the pastor not paying his bills. (laughs) And so as you can imagine, offense rose up (laughs) in pastor Craig and he was not over it in the moment and everything in him felt justified to stand his ground. So he didn't pay. He was angry. He couldn't sleep. He was rehearsing it. This isn't fair. No way. This isn't right. And he just dug his feet into the ground. So Pastor Craig says, you know, being married to his wife, Amy, is like being married to the Holy Spirit. I've said that about Deanna before, which has its ups and downs, right? Um, and she's, she's like, hey, you know, we have the money and savings. Just pay him and keep on going. no. I'm not going to pay him unless I pay him with my fist, you know, is kind of his response. (laughs) And she's like, listen, it's distracting you. It's ruining your sleep. Uh, It's distracting you from what you're called to do. You're called to be a pastor of this church. At the end of our life, we're not going to miss this. Just let it go. (laughs) So he very reluctantly (laughs) let it go. He wrote the nicest note that he could muster, and he sent the money, and they, they did, they let it go. Don't let something small take you off mission to show the love of Jesus, don't let it happen. Just don't let it happen. And so um, uh, imagine Jesus getting off mission. Can you, can you imagine you know, Jesus throwing a fit? Matthew, you weren't paying attention to my sermon. My sermon on the mount, you hurt my feelings, now I can't calm the storm. You know, that sounds silly, but we're not much different than that sometimes. One of the Pharisees was giving me a dirty look. He hurt my feelings. I'm not just not in the mood to do any miracles today. He was just so rude to me. Thomas didn't even compliment my miracle. You know, I, I, I opened blind eyes. What do you want me to do? Raise the dead? <laughs> right? No. What was his mission all about? Love love, love, love. It was all about love. I'm here on this earth to show the goodness of the love of my father in all that I do. I am the embodiment of love. I won't let anyone take me off course. And so wherever you find yourself saying or thinking that offends me, choose to show love. Choose to put that in the gap. What I try to do is I try to tell myself that the the calling ahead of me is greater than the offense that's behind me. The calling ahead of me is greater than the offense that is behind me. I still have a calling from God. Holy Spirit has empowered me and equipped me. My life is way too short and my calling is way too important to be offended by something small. So I'm just over it. (laughs) my calling to love elevates me and my purpose in Christ lifts me I'm not pulled down by uh, low offenses of this world so there's always a gap and we close that gap with love we assume the best even if they're angry and mean and hateful well they just must be going through something instead of choosing to be offended by I'm going to have compassion for I'm just over it I'm forgiving in the moment real time forgiveness and it's not uncommon, just so you know, for people to come to our church, um, our office during the week and ask for benevolent help. And And we have a policy that, you know, unless we can do some pretty thorough background vetting, um, we just don't give out money. Most churches have that policy. Unfortunately, they're too many people that try to cheat the system. And so we've put parameters in to try to be good stewards of our resources and our benevolent fund. And so they have to fill out a form that includes some financial history and references and et cetera. And so anyways, I was sitting at a table with a man, someone that uh, uh, somebody had brought to us for help. Um, It was just recently. And we were unable to help him with money after, you know, he had gone through uh, filling out everything. And we had given him some coffee and some donuts um, that we had in the office because he was cold and he was hungry. And when I told him that we wouldn't be able to help him financially, um, the coffee and donuts were thrown in my general direction. (laughs) They were thrown at me, making a big mess in the room where we were, and um, that I ended up having to clean up, by the way, after he left. And he was hot. He was... Very hot. Um, And now I could have responded in a lot of different ways in that situation. Um, Thankfully, on that day, um, Holy Spirit must have strengthened me. And do you know what I did next? (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) I apologized. I, I apologized. And I said, I said to him, I'm so sorry you know that we don't have the resources to give you what you need i can i can't even understand what you must be going through right now and so he was living on the streets um, and so, you know, I'm trying to, to calm him back down from a, this place where he was kind of boiling hot. And I gave him this list of resources that we have to, to try to help people and connect him with all the places that could help him find lodging and, and food. And he still wasn't happy. He was still kind of boiling. He said, they won't help me. Nobody will help me. I'm a sex offender, he started saying very loudly. And, and so I did what, only what I knew to do at that point. Um, he had gotten up and he had removed himself from the room. And um, he was saying angry things kind of under his breath, kind of shout, whispering, you know. And I, and I knew that he was frustrated. I knew that he was probably scared and cold. He didn't know, what, you know, he was going to go back out there in the cold. He didn't know where he was going to go. He didn't know what his next steps would be. And I asked him if I could pray with him. And I thought maybe I would get yelled at again. I don't remember what I prayed. I'm, I'm not a very eloquent prayer, but I, I don't use a lot of big lofty words or anything like that. I just expressed God's heart over this guy. So I, I just, all I did is I put my hand on his shoulder, you know, and just said, you know, God loves you and um, he cares for you and, and he wants the best for you just like we do. And I prayed that God would take him in his hands and cover him. And, and give him peace like he does. Give him, fill him with hope, those kind of things. Just pray in those words. And as I was praying, it was almost like I could feel this tenseness, just kind of his shoulders just kind of came down, right? I could feel that leave in his shoulders. And when I opened my eyes, there was tears in his eyes and there were tears in mine. And his voice had softened and, and there wasn't a big interchange. He just said, thank you for your time. And he left. So, back to the other story with uh, Pastor Craig and his wife. Years went by after that little fender bender, and Amy and Pastor Greg were greeting people in the lobby one week, and they met this girl who was in her early 20s, and she told them how her life had been completely changed by Jesus at their church. And Amy asked her, How is it that you came to Life Church? And she said, Well, you you probably don't remember this, but years ago, Amy, you bumped into my dad's vehicle. Pastor Craig said, oh, I certainly do remember that, (laughs) right? (laughs) And she said, yeah, my my family, we weren't Christians uh, then. And when my dad realized the situation, he decided to try and get as much out of you as he could. And she said, I'm really sorry for the way that my dad acted, Uh, you guys were so gracious. And she said, I was just a little girl when that happened, but I remembered it. And years and years went by, and we weren't church people. We we didn't go to church, but when I went through a difficult time, I thought, we're going to go to the church of that couple who was so loving when my dad was so unfair. And so she said, I came to church, I listened to the message, and I was transformed by the grace of Jesus. and that listen to me that is our mission we are called to stay above offense and we are called to love through it that's what we do as followers of Jesus i'm really honestly what i'm really trying to do is just represent what i believe god would say to us today is like come on guys Come on, don't get in social media battles. (laughs) Stop it, (laughs) right? Don't get offended by which politics they like or support. Don't be hateful and alienate the people in half the country because they don't think like you. Don't defend your theology with anger and hatred. Where's the fruit of the Spirit in that? We are called to love and when i'm tempted to be offended to be angry to be hurt to be self righteous to gather with others who are equally offended you know what's your small group about well we're just offended people everything offends us and we're angry about everything we have a mutual bond of bitterness you know <laughs> no no i'm over that i am so over that i'm just over it. i've got a purpose i've got a calling and I don't know about you, but I've done so many things to offend the heart of God. And the grace that he showed me is the same grace that I want to show others. And listen, I will stand up for truth. But I'm going to stand up for truth and love. And I'm not going to be offended by something small. Why? because the calling ahead of me is so much greater than the offense that's behind me. My life is way, 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 way too short. I mean, boom, it's it's a breath, it's a vapor, it's a mist, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow and my calling is too great to be offended by something small. The scripture says it's to your glory. It's, it's, It's virtuous to overlook an offense. Next time the enemy tries to pull you down, you say, no, by the Holy Spirit's power in me, I'm just over it. And look, you you tried to keep him down, but he's got resurrection power. (laughs) And his power now lifts me. His power now lifts me. His grace sustains me. His purpose drives me. Real time, in the moment, I'm choosing to forgive. I'm just over it. I'm just so over it. For the glory of God, we have more important things to do. Amen. So, Father, we pray today in the name of your resurrected Son, Jesus, that by your power and through your grace, you would empower us, Holy Spirit, your church, to show love in every circumstance when there's a gap. Help us to fill that gap with your love. So as we pray today, those of you that would just say, oh, man, I know it, I can be too easily offended. And you don't need to look around right now. This is just a personal moment. You know, maybe, maybe you're a bad interpreter, like we were talking about earlier. I want the help and the power and the grace of Jesus to help me close the gap with love. Would you just respond this morning just by putting your hands out and just kind of in a way of surrender, in a position of surrender? Thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is working. And we pray right now, God, that you would turn, you would. You would even burn this truth into our hearts. That every time, every moment that we're tempted to be distracted, God, by an offense, you would elevate us and lift our hearts, God, to higher calling and a stronger purpose that you have for us. Help us to just get over it, God. Real time forgiveness, just like Jesus prayed, even in the moment. Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing while he was hanging on the cross. And he was over it. Help us to be over it. Help us in our marriages. Help us in our friendships and in our relationships. And even in our online interactions, God. We we just pray this morning that you would help us to close the gap with love in a way that would honor you. So that others would know the same love that has changed us through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so we, we want to keep praying today for those of you that may have a gap um, between you and God right now before we close. Maybe you felt closer to him at some time maybe than you do right now. And let me just tell you who creates a gap or what creates a gap more specifically. Um, sin creates a gap. Our wrongdoings create a gap. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. God closed that gap with love for us. And so um, love is not just something that God does, but love is something he is. He is love. And so he fills that gap. He sent his son, Jesus, um, to be with us. And who is Jesus? He became sin for us and on the cross. And he died in our place. And God raised him from the dead. And so he's over it. He's over sin. He's over death. He's over hell. And he's over the grave. He's over it all. He's the name above every name. And it's the name, uh, his name is just, can we just dwell on that for a minute? The name above every name because God raised him from the dead Um, and so now anybody who calls on that name, the name of Jesus the Savior, the risen one, you're forgiven and made brand new. So if that's you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed I just want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus or maybe a resurrender. and all the saints just praying in this place right now um, just a holy moment Um, this is a personal decision um, between you and God and um, you know, we just wanna give you this time to respond to him this morning. Maybe Holy Spirit's been stirring up and speaking to you and you know that this is your day to pray this prayer. Whether you're here or you're watching online, um, I wanna give you some words this morning and everybody's gonna repeat them, but you gotta put the heart to it, okay? And so if that's you with nobody looking around, just, just so I know who, who's in the house this morning and praying um, this prayer, maybe for the first time or resurrending, would you raise your hand so I can see you? I just wanna pray and agree with you this morning. All right, all right, awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, all of us together, let's pray this this morning. Father God, I give you my heart. I give you all of me. Thank you for coming on the cross to bear the weight of all my offenses, of all my sin, of all my wrongdoings. You came... And you freed me from all of that. You gave me new life. And so I lay down and surrender my life to you today. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.